All right. Welcome to episode seven of the Mind Soul Connection. My name is Jamie Blaustein. I'm your host and CEO of the Sylvia Braffman Mental Health Center. Of course, as always, here with Ben Braffman, the Chief Clinical Officer of Hello. Sylvia Braffman. How are you, Ben? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks of course. For, it's great to be here. I mean, thanks for having me. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I had a, a a very distant uncle at a at a bar mitzvah once for my little brother. He, yeah. At the end of it, he said, "Thanks for coming," and I'm like, "No, thank you for coming." Right. And I realized that that's like a really good power play to yeah. uh, you know pretend like you're the host. So. No, either way, you know, we're, we're 50-50 on this and yeah, it's no, good to have right. you. And, um, you know, if you uh, are watching this, definitely like, share, comment, you know, anything to promote the podcast uh, would be truly appreciated and, and really help spread the word. So I'm excited um, about today. This is uh, this is good stuff. Yeah. So today today's interesting. We really wanted to get a little bit more creative, a little bit more um, hypothetical and outside the box here. Uh, and, and so actually that's the theme of the next couple episodes. Um, of course we want to talk about your run of the mill topics like, you know, depression and career and family and, and clinical, but, but today's topic is if you could cure five mental health diagnoses or illnesses, mm-hmm. uh, what would you cure hypothetically? And so I'm really interested in your take on this, Ben, as, you know, a clinician who's helped, you know, hundreds of thousands, really, of of people throughout your career. uh, You've really seen everything. And so, um, of course, if we if we could, uh, we would cure all of them, I think. But I want to revisit that premise for for a minute before we jump into your top five. So, um. My first thought was obviously it's hard to choose five. We want to cure all of them, right. but but is there a silver lining of mental illness? And like, is that even a, a true statement? Hmm. Like, what would we go ahead and do this? Now, my gut is that the good of curing these illnesses would outweigh the bad, right? But I'm just wondering, like, is that something that you would do if you could, or or is there some sort of um, silver lining or, or purpose served or sort of like, you know, beneficial byproduct of the fact that people have mental illness? Well, if I could, I, I would, um, I certainly, uh, would love to have that option. Um, however, uh, there are, there are millions of people out there that suffer from mental illness that are really talented and really geniuses and artists and, and, and they thrive, um, in their, you know, in their profession. And so, you know, I could argue that, you know, their, their disorder, whatever it is kind of propelled them, um, into their career, you know, uh, you know, just, just one, one jumps off the page to me is Billy Joel, who was by is bipolar and uh, you could kind of tell, or at least I can, that like his his depression and mania drove a lot of his songs to mm. to a certain degree. And then I think he he got more stable, and he he started doing more um, uh, classical music and, and stuff that you know that he's not really um, famous for as he is for you know, uh, the, the stranger and, sure. and, and other things like that. So, so, 
So my takeaway is, and of course, like through my own experience and, you know, watching others uh, get better, whether it's addiction or some sort of mental illness, um, there is certainly a, a, a set of attributes that come from going through hard times. Uh, we are forced to sort of recalibrate ourselves to life. Um, and, and I think, uh, that can certainly become an asset. And I do honestly believe that as a result of what I've gone through with addiction and mental illness, uh, I'm certainly better than I would have been if I never went through it at all. However, what you're saying is that, okay, that may be true in a lot of cases, but the bad outweighs the good. And so we're going to jump into this hypothetical. Yeah. Um, yeah. And- I mean, I mean, just, just so you know, like I, you know, I, people that are recovered uh, or recovering from their mental illnesses, I think they would say similar things that at the end of the day, you know, yeah, I, I was able to do all these creative things but at the same time. I lost my family. I lost my career. I lost, you know, like there's a lot of loss um, that, that goes along with it. So um, yeah, I don't think that anybody would want to suffer through yeah. these mental illnesses. Yeah. So before we get into your top five, yeah. I just want to ask you, um, and I know we kind of operate a little bit differently. You are very much like a gut level guy. So when I say, give me your top five, like I, I know you're, there's a calculus going on in your gut, not in your mind about like, Hey, based on my experience and based on what I've seen, um, it's these five. Right? right. Whereas me, I'm a little bit more methodical. Right. And I think that's why we work really well together yeah, absolutely. at, at Sylvia Brathman. Yeah. So my first thought is not what are the five, but it's, what is the framework through which I'm coming up with this answer? Is it number of people affected? Is it the severity of if it is affected? Is it purely life and death? Um, so I just want to know, like, is, is, am I accurate about that? Because so I can my, talk about the framework all right, day. But. Right. So my framework, my process, and, and you're right, um, my, my process was not initially based on percentages in the, let's just, Let's just focus on the United States, right? So my process was not just, you know, focused on percentage of mental illness. What's the most popular one? My process had to do with my relationship and and my understanding and my experience with these mental illnesses. What I've seen, Mm -hmm. I've seen devastation of family, devastation Mm -hmm. of person, uh, people losing their identity. Uh, That's how I got to it. Uh, Practical kind of stuff. Um, and when I when I talk about it all, I you know I'm I can't hone in on every single mental illness within the you know within the the topic of you know say you know say the headline is schizophrenia so that's a pretty broad stroke sure. um, you know like I'll I'll share later but there's yeah. five different types of schizophrenia so Got so it. yeah that's my experience that's my process yeah and honestly that's kind of what I'd envision when we decided to yeah. do this yeah. I, I like hearing hearing your just your experience so all right. You have a magic wand, yeah, and <laughs> and 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 you have the opportunity to cure one illness. What what is the first illness that you're going to cure? First one is schizophrenia. Okay. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, so walk, walk me through why. Yeah. So so let me let me let me just break it down for you. So schizophrenia, um, devastating disease, and. And there's five categories of schizophrenia: paranoid schizophrenia, 
um, which, you know, which is probably the most popular one, right? The layman sees that, you know, person talking to himself, sees things, hear things, you know, they're, they're psychotic, which a lot of people relate to violence. And, you know, they're just, you know, the, you know, they're preoccupied with religion or whatever. Schizoaffective is basically two disorders converging together, which is you've got schizophrenia, right? So the breaking of the mind and you've got this bipolar thing going on. So you can be schizophrenic and depressed or schizophrenic and manic um, or, or pretty, pretty close to it. So, so you have that combo. And then the third one, a third one is catatonic. Catatonic is exactly what catatonia is, which is, you know, you just, you just, you know, you're just sitting in a seat and you have no, you have no sense of time or anything like that. In fact, if I lifted my arm, drop it down, that type of thing. Um, then there's disorganized schizophrenia, which is, um, you're just, you're just simply, you're, you're all over the place. It's like, um, a good example is like word salad where your, your thoughts are so disorganized that you just don't make any sense. Yeah. You just, you just, you're not in reality. And then the last one, which is, um, quote unquote, the most mildest one is residual schizophrenia. Um, I haven't seen a lot of this one, but this is, this is one that, um, that, they're, they're, it's really just mild symptoms of, of you, you might hear things, see things with depression, um, lack of expression or lack of a scope of expression. Mm. And then here's the thing with residual schizophrenia that, I, that, that fascinates me is that it can go into remission and, and not appear again or it could come back. Mm. So it's sort of like the, it's sort of like the mini schizophrenia, if you will. But um, the, here's the reason that I pick schizophrenia, um, out of the gate. And, and again, going, going in, in line with, you know, with the theme of, you know, my own experience. So I have had to speak to hundreds of parents, um, and I've had to say to them that your son or daughter had a psychotic break is schizophrenic. And that is a lifelong illness. And that to me is just gut wrenching. Because it means that everything has changed mm. and, and it, and it can be devastating, it can be devastating for the family, devastating for the individual. Um, it changes the, it changes the outcomes of what the person uh, might've been able to do. And then, you know, and the other thing that makes it so nasty is that it, it, it usually comes about not, not always, I don't want to be stuck with, you know, miss, miss, uh, you know, misrepresenting the stats 18 to 25. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with brain chemistry development. Right. Um, it has to do with um, environment. Um, 18 to 25. If you think about when you were 18 to 25 or when I was or anybody, what were we doing? Well, there's a lot of life stuff going mm -hmm. on. We're moving out of our house. We're going to college. We're dating. Uh, we've lost friends. We're gaining friends. We're all of a sudden we start to get interested in stuff. Yeah. Brain chemistry changes. Yeah. It's older and women, right? Typically. Typically. Is that what you see? Typically. So, so um, I just before I just I want to I want to go into a little bit more of um, the 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 reason why it's number one because you said it's devastating and, and it's sort of like yeah everything is different thereafter. Um, but you see a lot of. You talk about diagnosing, and that's a tough thing to do, and then mm. to communicate that to the family. Uh, 
you also see a lot of misdiagnoses in this a direction. lot a lot yeah yeah people come in and they say lazy. i'm diagnosed with schizophrenia L -l lazy we you know i've seen people yeah i'm diagnosed with schizophrenia and i've had i've had families argue with me yeah my daughter's schizophrenic no they're not you know yeah not, i don't know why you're amped up on yeah you know so, pushing this diagnosis on people right i mean i think people you know just from a layman perspective like people like comfort um in knowing what it is and a label is comforting in some ways because at least it puts what you're dealing with in a box yep. um so it's so devastating because why so you literally lose your mind like you, I, I would love, this is what I would, I would love to do within it. This is what I'd really like to do as opposed to the, you know, the, the fantasy of, you know, the magic wand. I'd like to inject people with schizophrenia just for a day and, and, and see how they experience their life. It would change the way in which we treat it, the research that, you know, that that's being done to be, to sit in your in your own body and you're having these outer body experiences or you're having voices that they're not fun voices yeah. you know they're they're telling you to kill somebody telling you to hurt yourself telling you god knows what um that th that's just devastating it's just it's just a your your life as you know it is completely mm -hmm. it's completely changed that is not to say by the way i don't want to I don't want to be, uh, you know, complete downer here. There are also mi millions of cases where people are living with schizophrenia right now. And this is why the stats are a little, yeah. they're a little misleading that are successful. Yeah. You know, it's like anything else. Like, so, so. And we've seen that absolutely about. We, we have. And, and compared to anything else, you can, you can learn to live with voices in your head if you're properly educated you have coping skills and you're medicated. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's just like anything else, like um, even, even addiction, um, you can have a craving, you can have the thought, you can have a very bad thought, you, you know, overwhelming. It doesn't mean that you have to act on it. Sure. And it's the same thing with schizophrenia mm -hmm. um, is that, is that you could have these negative thoughts. It doesn't mean you have to act on it. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that's a key piece to this because, because there is hope. And, and I, I mean, I've seen it. So, so people can, can survive with schizophrenia. It's just devastating. It's yeah. just devastating to a whole family. Yeah. yeah. A lot of misunderstanding on that illness. Um, yeah. Number two. So number two, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to combine two, three. And, and I'm, the reason is that you can, you can, you can do either or, right? I I know where this so is number going. two is anxiety. And I, and I, and I kind of want to hone in on OCD a little bit. And then number three is depression. You can flip those two. It could be two depression, you know, three anxiety. Um, that's the, you know, that's the, you know, that that's the pick of the litter. That's the, you know, that's everybody's favorite flavor. That's, you know, that's the mental illness that's, you know, popular. Yeah. Um, and it's getting worse, not better. I mean, expect and and to me, it, it, why I put anxiety second, you know, if you if you had to ask me, is that it's it's more anxiety than depression you know, for sure. And, and so, um, we have to do, uh, we have to do a better job recognizing, you know, the trials and stressors that, uh, the, these generations are, are, are dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, I read somewhere where, uh, um, you know, uh, 
a millennial or whatever they're calling themselves now, um, they have the same anxiety or worse than people um, when it back in the depression, you know, mm -hmm. back when there was no food, there was no jobs. Or the anxiety is that they wake up and it's the same, it's the same kind yeah. of thing. So I'm really looking forward to our next podcast, which is going to be about some of the environment because, you know, in terms of nature versus nurture, yeah. right? There's that, that must be responsible for that big sh generational shift. I mean, we haven't really evolved much uh, since then. So I'm curious to dig into that sure. next week. Sure. Um, what I'm seeing just, you know, quick sort of Google search, yeah, roughly yeah. 33, 35% of folks will experience anxiety uh, and some sort of clinical anxiety disorder throughout the course of their lives and roughly 10% depression. Now we're talking clinical right now. So, you know, stats are, yeah. you know, it's, it's art and science, right? So right. I'm sure okay, you can tweak that. Hey, let me summarize. Stats are like bikinis, right? <laughs> they, uh, you know, they reveal a lot of things, but they keep the real important things hidden. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah, the, yeah. that's like stats, you know? That's so, what I always say. So, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so um so but you, you do agree that anxiety a bit more widespread than depression i think so i mean yeah i think so almost i don't know i don't want to say this for sure but i think that most people that i know in my life uh experience anxiety how much of that is clinical i don't know maybe half and half um people are anxious these days they really are yeah i mean it's 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 also situational i mean i i don't you know i don't want to you know, I don't want to, you know, you know, kind of like make this broad stroke again and say that if you have, you know, ruminating thoughts that now you have a, a diagnosis of anxiety, like it might be situational. Yeah. It could be seasonal. It could, you know, it could be just a, a you know, just an, a, what they call an adjustment disorder. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for, for example, I mentioned this before, but kid goes away to college. You don't know anybody. Yeah. He's going to have anxiety yeah. like that. So it doesn't mean it doesn't mean he's an anxious person. It doesn't mean that he has a disorder. Um, you know, re remember that disorder, it, it implies that your life is unmanageable, right? That you're, you're chaotic, you're disorganized, you're not, you're not managing crises. And it's not, it's, it's not a one-time thing. It's over a period of time, call it three to six months. Yeah. If you have, if you have anxiety or depressive symptoms, three to six months, you're probably sniffing a disorder of some type, you know? What's interesting, my experience is that back in the day when I was, you know, 10 plus years ago, a using a drug addict, um, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, right? Over time, once I, you know, was able to completely get clean and get better and have a spiritual experience, um, the depression completely went away. I do not struggle from depression today. I definitely struggle with anxiety. And um, I, I think I have like a light uh, version of OCD. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would know. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, a little not, bit more than light. Yeah, you know? not not like washing my hands <laughs> ten times before I leave the house. But let me make a comment to that. Yeah, what you what you have, if I may. Yeah, is see you have diagnosed me in front of the world. Right, absolutely. So so <laughs> let me just let me just hone in on OCD for a second. So you have the obsession, but you don't necessarily have the compulsion. You know, you, you were able to arrest a lot of your compulsion, right, through your through your spiritual work, through your recovery. But you do have the obsession just because somebody has just because somebody has one. It, it, it doesn't mean that it's it's less debilitating because the, the mind 
you know, the mind goes and it's, and it's, um, you know, you just have these reoccurring thoughts over and over and over again. And then, you know, somebody like yourself, you've been able to channel it through exercise, through work, mm -hmm. through, through interest. It has become performance enhancing in some ways, kind of related to well, the early part I, I of was just going to say to you that, that it makes you, you Yeah. see there, there, there's, there's a part of this that, and this is, um, this is, you know, my, my kind of thing about, uh, I'm just going to mention it. Uh, I don't know how much of a deep dive you want to take, but it's, it's really faith versus fear. Like you have more faith today than you do yeah. fear. And, and it, it shows, right. It shows. And that's, that's what you want to see, you know, as a, as a professional in the field, that that's what I want to see. I want to see an individual have more faith that things are going to work out more family having, you know, more faith. And the way that that shows up is that the family unit, they, they become a united front. The individual uses his, his support system. Um, that that's how you, I didn't even get into medication yet. Right. Yeah. But that's how you reduce the anxiety, you know, the, the obsession, yeah. you know, and, and so, and that, but the other thing is this, is that rookie clinicians and people will get, you will get misdiagnosed because they will say to themselves, well, Jamie just has the obsession. He doesn't have the compulsion. So he really doesn't have anxiety. It must be something else. Mm. No, not necessarily. Right. Right. Um, so, so that's something that um, I'm very sensitive to, and uh, and it's it's important to educate families and individuals. On. Yeah, there's so much gray area. You know, it, it's uh, for me, it, it comes in in waves. So it'll be like two two to three weeks on, a month or two off. Yeah, and it's always kind of there. But like you said, it's um, there's guardrails because of the spiritual work that I do. That's right. Um, because of, you know, a whole bunch of things. And it's just se seemingly unrelated to what's happening in my life. It's very bizarre. Yeah. I'll be in a situation that is like objectively a very anxiety provoking situation and I'm good. Yeah. And then, you know, there's nothing really going on. I mean, I could be on vacation and, and the anxiety will be there. So our brain there's work. a lot of work to be done. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's super interesting. And so, is it fair to say, just to summarize this anxiety, depression, um, that it's the prevalence of it that's driving it being two and three on your list? Yes. Um, like I said, you know, you, 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 you have to address it. Like if you, you know, as a, as a professional, you know, in the field, if you don't, if you don't address it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so that's, you know, that, it's, it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, and we need to do, you know, we, we, we have more to do. Yeah. Number four, big one addiction mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, and it's a controversy, right? And this is my clinical philosophy, which is why I wrote this down again, it's very personal to me. So people make the mistake right out of the gate that addiction is not a mental illness, that they're, they're actually, they're, they're two separate camps. And that's just a bunch of BS to me. That's just, that's just talk. You know, it's, you know, using, you know, $25 words to try to impress people with, you know, the disease of addiction versus mental illness. No, it's a, it's a mental illness. Um, I don't care what addiction that, that you're talking about. Um, and, and it's on my list for a reason. Um, there are people right now in the United States that are suffering from addiction. You know, that um, all different kinds of addiction, you know, substance abuse, uh, alcohol, um, gambling, sex, pornography, um, gaming, you know, all, all of that stuff. And it is an 
epidemic, which is why, again, it's on my list. It affects, it affects children. It affects the elderly. It affects, you know, people that are wealthy, people that are poor, like park bench to park place. It addiction does not matter, but we collectively, the behavioral health industry has to get in line with the fact that this is a mental illness. Yeah. It, let me, let me just say, so, so addiction is trauma, right? I could use those words synonymously, right? Trauma versus addiction, same, same thing to me. And it has its foundation in obsessive compulsive disorder, mm. right? So, <clears throat> so if we start treating the obsessive compulsive disorder, the anxiety associated with addiction, and we start treating it as a trauma and, and sort of kind of unraveling, um, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the, the problem, um, we'll have more success, yeah. you know, wh whatever you choose to do, but you'll have more, you'll have more success. You could argue that addiction, um, impacts if one of the metrics you want to look at is impact on others. Yeah. Very possible. That's number one, I would think. So, so here, here's the, here's, so, so addiction is just, it's just dressed up a little differently, right? Like, like, um, you know, anxiety, depression, even schizophrenia, it's kind of like, it's kind of like mental illness turned inward. Yeah. Addiction is like mental illness turned outward. Yeah. And a good metaphor is, so imagine the three, we're, we're sitting in this room and a grenade comes and it blows up. Well, things are going to be pretty messy in here. Yeah. Um, pieces are going to be all over the place. And that's what addiction is. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a destruct, it's destruction of tornado, a tornado that. roaring the lives of others. That's the illness, right? Yeah. That's the disease. That's how, you know, like, okay, so, so, so you have a, you have a son who's addicted. Let's call him. He's 20 years old. Now mom is taking him to his drug dealer and she says, yeah, at least I know where he's getting his drugs from. Okay. That's a meant that that's not right. Like that's, that's, you have now, you have now added a complete dysfunction and a cancer to your family system. Mm, mm. Right. So that's, that it's, it's, it's very behavioral in nature. Addiction is one of those things that yes, there's like a, there's an internal situation going on, but then as a result of the external, uh, whatever it provokes in terms of actions, it compounds the issue so right. much more. So, you know, you, you have a problem and then you just keep digging and digging and digging until you get stopped. Typically it's a virus, it's yeah. a virus and it spreads and it, it affects people that you don't even know, you know, um, it's, 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 and, and that's, again, that's why I classify it as a mental illness because it does all those yeah. things. So I'll say one more thing about that. So when we first started talking about maybe opening, um, a treatment center together, yeah. um, I had a hard time wrapping my mind around the philosophy yeah. that you just articulated, uh, mainly because for me, like I was very lucky to have mentors that walked me through a spiritual process. And that's what did it for me. Like I got better because of a spiritual solution. Now there was a clinical aspect. There was a medical aspect, but I also was, was taught. And I believe this still today that if you are an addict, there are three main components to what you have. Like if I say I'm an addict, what does that mean? It means I have this thing, we call it an allergy where I start and I cannot stop, right? Like something in me, and I don't know if that's a gene, if that's a bundle of genes, if that's an enzyme thing, if it's a chemical imbalance, I've heard all these different theories. Uh -huh. uh, but something about the way that I'm wired means when I start, I go. 
Okay. Then this mental obsession, I'm able to get stopped somehow. Mm -hmm. Maybe I go to your treatment center when I'm 20 year, 21 years old. Right. And, uh, and I'm able to get stopped and then some time passes and I'm not physically addicted, but my mind brings me back to it. And that's the mental obsession. And then the third is a, a spiritual aspect. It's, it's a whole, you know, it's a feeling of, of being separate from, it's a feeling of, um, we call it untreated addiction or untreated alcoholism. And a doctor might call it anxiety, depression. And so what I think I, I've come to realize is that we're actually kind of talking about the same thing, mm -hmm. um, that you agree with everything that I just said. Mm -hmm. um, but what, you're, you, what you take issue with is how it's characterized in the behavioral health landscape and mm -hmm. how it's viewed. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's, it's like separated. And uh, I think that if people would appreciate the fact and respect the fact that it's a mental illness and it has its, it's, it, you know, you're an addict because you suffered some trauma and you have some type of anxiety. Some of that anxiety you still have today. That's, those are facts. It's not, it's, it's not like made up. It's not a theory. Right. And, and there's a genetic component. That's trauma is not genetic. hundred percent, but it's not always genetic. Right. Right. Not always genetic. Um, you know, it could be very behavioral and, and, you know, something that you've learned, which we're going to get into later. Sure. Um, but, um, but, you know, it, it's devastating. And I, I, I wish that more people would not lump it in, in some other category, but put it under the umbrella of behavioral health and treat it for what it really is, mm -hmm. really is not, not this sort of separate kind of thing. And look what it's done. It's, it's, it's created fear. Addicts generally don't like to deal with the mentally ill and the mentally ill generally don't like to deal with addicts. So it's, it, it's almost created this, you know, this tension where there really shouldn't be. Any. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bring us home. Number five. All right. So uh, borderline personality disorder. Um, I'm sure I got some cheers out there for that one. Um, so, so borderline personality disorder, I, you know, you asked me about my process. So, <laughs> it's a it's a treatment killer um borderlines are they're special people um very very bright um so 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 why is it called borderline so borderline was taken from the fact that it shows um it shows symptoms of uh neurosis which is anxiety depression uh mood disorder stuff bipolar right um and it shows symptoms of psychosis, which is the schizophrenia that we talked about, you know, the, the paranoia, the hearing things, seeing things. In addition to that, um, it also, uh, it's on the razor's edge of uh, you're having uh, relationships and your relationships are just volatile. They're, they're just, they're just packed with negative energy, positive energy. I mean, it's all over the, it's wild. Um, it's kind of like imagine, you know, when you first, you know, you're first dating someone and and, you know, it's it's like you, you, you just you just, you know, in lust, you know. So imagine that energy. You feel that energy all the time. Right. So volatile relationships, volatile family relationships. You know, you don't know where you where you stand. Um, people with borderline personality disorder, they view they view individuals sometimes as good and bad. Um, and they have this endless list 
of what makes you good and what makes you bad. And believe me, the good, you're going to be bad. You're going to you're going to mess up at some point. Right. So there's that they have eating disorders. They 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 cut themselves. Um, now, I know you're generalizing. I just want to yeah, say that. Right? Yeah, that's right. Of no, course, it's not going to apply to everybody. Not everybody. And, and, and again, one of these symptoms doesn't mean you're a borderline. Right. right. And, and it's and, and by the way, it's a misused diagnosis. I mean, it's like in treatment, um, you know, I supervise these clinicians and they go, I think that the, the client has reached its their maximum potential of, uh, you know, of, of of clinical value here at the treatment center. And you know what that means to me? That you're lazy and you don't want to deal with the patient because they're difficult. Mm. And then, you know, and then then they throw the word out. Well, they're a borderline. No, no. No, no. You know if they're a borderline. Yes. Borderlines are very dynamic, very charismatic. They take over um, groups. They take over treatment centers. In fact, I don't mean to scare you, but borderlines make great CEOs. Oh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fact. So so um, medication is difficult to kind of like, what do we, you know, what are we right, dealing with? You have mood disorders. You have thought disorders. Yeah. It's a personality disorder, right? It is a personality so disorder. Is a medication really treating the symptoms or is, can you treat the core? Because it's embedded in your personality. So, so not, not in the way that you're saying it. Um, the with, medi- with medication, of course. Correct. With medication, yeah. with medication, yes, you can you can treat the symptoms, um, whether they're anxiety, depression, you know, sadness, anger. You know, a lot of a lot of borderlines they they go to this, they go from zero to one hundred and fifty, and in their anger, they do a lot of damage. Um, you know, they 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 spend a lot of money, or they destroy property, or they destroy lives. So if you had the right medication combination that would reduce agitation, reduce depression, um, you can help. Uh, there's a ton of therapy out there now that is helping borderlines. Um, you know, that's that's allowing them to to start to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll give you I'll give you my clinical perception. It's 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 simplistic. It, I just hope that if if you have borderline personality disorder you make it to 30. Um, research suggests that the older that you get, the symptoms become less and less and less. Mm. Um, not all the time, but that is generally speaking, like if you can get, but, but good luck trying to get somebody yeah. to stop using drugs, stop having sex with everybody and everything, uh, stop spending money, you know, stop, you know, just the addictive nature of it. Um, I don't know if we mentioned this, but like they they get addicted to the mania of it, the insanity of it, the control. Um, and then I, I I would be remiss if I didn't add this. And this is this is this is sad. A lot of times borderline personality disorder, it's not chemical. It's environmental. Mm. It's from abuse. And I'm not talking about, you know, you got hit with a strap once in a while. I'm talking about you, you were raped you know, by your, by a family member over and over and over again, you were, you got the shit kicked out of you over and over and over again. You're, you're, you're basically your foundation was shifted, right? Another, just another, um, another thing about borderline personality disorder is if you move around a lot, you know, there, there's a lot of borderline personality disorders within the military. Why? Because they move around a lot in the whole world. Um, 
so so we know that that has something to do with it so we know that having having safety and consistency and this this foundation helps uh arrest the the borderline personality disorder one final question uh and and i want a brief answer here because you could probably talk all day about this diagnosis the art of diagnosing or the, or the science of diagnosing. What, yeah. what is it? What percent art? What percent science? Uh, I could, I could go on. <laughs> on, on. Um, so I, I, the, I just, I'll, I'll sum, I'll summarize and, and keep it um, simple. There's four areas that I look at um, the, the physical well-being, the emotional, um, the emotional well-being, mental well-being, uh, the social well-being and the spiritual well-being. So those are the four areas I look at. If I hone in on whatever whatever information I have, you know, via paperwork, and then if I interview the patient, I hone in on those four areas, and I'm able to uh, potentially come up with a correct diagnosis. That's how I do it. Classic clinical answer. <laughs> so if you had to put a percentage on it, yeah, art science. Or, oh, or can can you not? Um. Wow. Uh, the first numbers that come to my head is 50, 50. Okay. Well, look, my takeaway here is that nothing is a death sentence. And, you know, we, of course, we're talking about because of the nature of the prompt, right? What are the, what would you cure? Which implies what are the worst? So we naturally have to talk about, um, the negative, uh, effects both to the person and to those around them in this conversation. But the undercurrent of this conversation was that there's a lot of solution out there, whether that's medication, whether that's clinical, whether that's spiritual work. Uh, and that's why we love doing what we do, mm-hmm. because we get to dig into the solution. We are way more solution focused uh, than problem focused. And so I'm very much looking forward to to digging into some of that solution in the, in the upcoming episodes. Um, once again, uh, thank you for all of your uh, really, Welcome. really insightful clinical wisdom and, and experiential wisdom. Um, so we are looking forward to seeing you all next week. Uh, please like, uh, po- uh, comment, and and share the podcast. We're on YouTube. We've got the uh, Mind Soul Connection page on Instagram. Uh, we'll certainly be blasting out these uh, episodes and uh, very much looking forward to seeing you next time. All right, thank you. 